I think all of us are familiar with the miraculous medal. It's a very common uh, medal that Catholics will wear. I have one myself. I've got a devotion to the miraculous medal. And uh, it was given to us by Our Lady herself through St. Catherine Labore in France in the uh, early 19th century. There's a very interesting story connected to this. It's not very well known. A man by the name of Alphonse Radisbon. He's a Jewish uh, man, grew up in a, a wealthy aristocratic family in a country, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was near French, and they were French-speaking uh, Jews, aristocratic Jews. They were very wealthy. Uh, Alphonse's oldest brother uh, converted to Catholicism, and his family really persecuted him. Uh, completely shunned him, totally cut off all ties, and uh, and it was it was uh, there's bad blood between them from that point on, from the point of his conversion onward, and actually eventually his his uh, brother became a Catholic priest as well. So this was a, a great disgrace for the family, and Alphonse grew up having a very deep contempt for his older brother, a hatred for Roman Catholicism. He himself, uh, these, he was not a religious Jew, and in fact, as he got older, he went to different universities, and he kind of imbibed uh, a very secular and rationalistic sort of spirit of the times. This is right after the French Revolution, mind you. And um, so he was really generally a skeptic and an atheist, or at least tended in that direction in his thought. So he wasn't a religious Jew. Um, and he had contempt uh, for religion, especially for Roman Catholicism. Well, he goes on, he gets a good university education, and uh, he's about 28 years old right now. He's lined up to marry uh, a very young and very beautiful woman uh, in the August of 1842, and a few months before that, in January, he decides to take a little trip. He's going to inherit... Um, a large portion of his uncle's uh, business. They're, they're wealthy bankers. So he's kind of sitting on top of the world. He's got everything lined up. He's got a beautiful bride waiting for him. He's got this huge business. He's young. And uh, he, he takes a little pleasure trip. He goes down to Italy. He goes to Naples, and he's planning on taking a cruise to Malta. He makes a mistake, and he ends up going to Rome. While he's in Rome, he meets uh, the an old, the older brother of an old college buddy. And these guys were Protestants. This older brother of his college buddy is named Theodore, and he's a convert to Roman Catholicism. And uh, Theodore has as his aim the conversion of Alphonse. And so one of the things he does, they, they associate it with each other. Now, Alphonse doesn't like the guy, but he, he calls on him, meaning he visits him in his apartment because he wants to find out about... Um, some technical things about Constantinople, which is was on his itinerary for his travels. But anyways, they, they come into association with each other. And um, Theodore says, okay, take the miraculous medal. I'm going to make it a challenge. Take this miraculous medal. I'm going to put it on, wear it. Okay? And, he's, and Alphonse, who's a complete skeptic and has a great contempt for Roman Catholicism, mocks it. And he's mocking Catholicism the whole time he's in Rome. And... Uh, you know, he kind of makes fun of it. He says, oh, yeah, just sure, just to show you, you know, that I can do this thing. I'll wear this miraculous medal. So he wears it. And then Theodore says, okay, now pray this prayer every morning. Alphonse is like, come on, give me a break. I don't believe in prayer. He says, well, just say the words, and it's the memorare. 
Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, so forth and so on. I think most of us are familiar with the Memorare. If I'm not mistaken, I believe we've got it printed right below the statue of Our Lady. Um, and so Alphonse, uh, just to kind of show him that he's that this is all superstition, he says, okay, I'll do it. And so he wakes up every morning while he's in Rome on his travel there, and he prays the Memorare. He says the words, the Memorare. Well, another mutual friend, uh, there's this group of expatriates from France, because again, it's the fallout from the French Revolution, so you have all these very devout French, and they're in, in Rome. And uh, they're usually upper class, because the upper class are going to be killed during, you know, in the French Revolution. Well, they're down there. Word gets out that uh, Theodore is working for the conversion of this guy, Alphonse, so they all start praying. They all pray the Memorare. There's this one guy in particular, Count, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce because it's French and it's difficult. And the Count, uh, he goes and he prays 20 memorares right in a row. And uh, and then that night he dies, okay, this, this Frenchman who was praying for the conversion of Alphonse. So the next day, Theodore and Alphonse go and arrange for this guy's uh, funeral. And they go to uh, a well-known church in Rome. Uh, it's um, <clears throat> Sant'Andrea delle Frate. And they go into this church, and Theodore's in the back of the sacristy with a priest doing the funeral arrangements. And Alphonse is in this, in this uh, church's nave, and he's just kind of around. He's sort of peeking around, looking around. He kind of goes into the main body of the church. He's looking around, and this is what he says. This is all very well recorded. I was scarcely in the church when a total confusion came over me. When I looked up, it seemed to me that the entire church had been swallowed up in shadow except one chapel. And you can go there to this day and you've got the little side chapel. It was as though all the light was concentrated in that single place. I looked over towards this chapel when so much light shone and above the altar was a living figure, tall, majestic, beautiful, and full of mercy. It was the Most Holy Virgin Mary resembling her figure on the miraculous medal. At this sight, I fell on my knees right where I stood. Unable to look up because of the blinding light, I fixed my glance on her hands, and in them I could read the expression of mercy and pardon. In the presence of the Most Blessed Virgin, even though she did not speak a word to me, I understood the frightful situation I was in, my sins, and the beauty of the Catholic faith. And there's much more to it. He, co- he goes on. In fact, what happens is, miraculously, knowledge of Roman Catholicism and of the truth of all the mysteries and the dogmas of the faith are infused directly into his mind and in his heart. And he understands without having studied theology, without knowing almost anything about religion, let alone Roman Catholicism, he understands the mystery of original sin. And he is shaking. And Theodore comes back out of the sacristy and says, what's, what's wrong? And he's, he's shaking, he's crying, he can't speak. He says, take me to a priest, take me to a priest. And so they eventually bring him to the Jesu, which is the main Jesuit headquarters in Rome. And he says, I've seen her, I've seen her. When can I be baptized? He wants to be baptized. Just a few days later, they kind of calm him down, they talk with him, they, they investigate actually whether or not this, what, what's going on with this guy. 
and it's deemed that all of this that he reports is authentic. Uh, they, they, you know, kind of expedite his catechumenal process, and they, and they baptize him within just a week or a little over a week. He goes on, he joins the Jesuits, he becomes a priest, and then he sets up all of these foundations and orphanages and religious uh, organizations in Jerusalem to working for the conversion of, of the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And his Alphonsus's work that he set up is still in Jerusalem to this day, and there's a lot more than I can talk about. But this conversion of Alphonse is very much a modern-day version of St. Paul's conversion that we hear about in our first reading. St. Paul is dead set against the faith. He is a persecutor. He goes out of his way to get permission from the high priests to get letters. He gets a band of armed men. He's going to go to Damascus. He travels all the way there. It's a seven days journey. He's going to arrest these Christians. And he's going to teach them a lesson. And Christ blinds him with this miraculous light. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And Paul automatically sees the frightful situation that he's in, his sins. And he goes into a three-day period of fasting, of penance, and then he's baptized. And so for us, my brothers and sisters, and it's a long homily, I apologize here, never despair of anybody's conversion. Never despair of anybody's conversion. If you've got family members, friends, or yourself, God's grace, through the power of Christ's resurrection that we celebrate this Easter season, is able to convert any heart, no matter how hard, no matter how estranged from the faith. God can do that. And that's the, that's the joy and the power of God's grace, the power of the resurrection that we celebrate this Easter.